Every day won't be a good day, but if you keep showing up, you'll have lots of good days. Through our meditation and reflection practice, we can begin to become aware of the thoughts that we are giving power to. Every morning when I wake up, I start the day by saying, today was such a great day. So many good things happened to me. I am such a lucky girl. Why do good things always happen to me? I talked about this in the Law of Resonance episode a couple of months ago. I like to set the vibration for the day with the idea that my experiences will then match my vibration. And through this practice, I have discovered that, you know what? Not every day is a good day. And that's okay. Because even on the less great days, I get to choose how I think about it. I get to manage my reactions to it. I get to decide what thoughts I choose to give power to. This isn't to say that I don't have angry moments or my sad moments or my frustrating moments. Rather, when I do have them, I let myself feel them wholly. But then I make the conscious decision that despite these moments, it was still a great day. I respect those negative moments and those thoughts because I have a right to feel all of the feels, but I also get to decide that I don't want to give any power to those thoughts. I choose not to let them guide the direction of my day. Hey guys, it's Jen. This is another episode of Reframing Me. A couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation about the things that I learned about parenting in middle school in the episode, The Last. Although I know that a number of the points really resonated with y'all, without a doubt, the, the point that really it wasn't even a point, it was like a quick mention within a point, but the one word that struck a chord with so many listeners was drama. It would appear that give or take from about the sixth grade through the 10th grade, the single most ubiquitous word thrown around by teens and by moms seems to be drama. I know some days, personally, I just cannot with the drama, and I for sure know that you all seem to feel the same way, 100%. I know that I've seen it firsthand with my boys and with my daughter and with like all of their friends. And I've had a ridiculous amount of mom conversations over the years that have included the word drama. So I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise to me when that was the word that struck a chord with y'all too. I mean, if we were even to describe what we mean by drama, it would be hard, right? I mean, at least it would be hard to define the word without using the word. Drama is, it's all the gossip, the fighting and problems or issues, the relationships that come and go and come again and go again, the frenemies, the crushes, the ups and the downs, the loves and the hates, the extremes, the exasperation, the, I don't know, I just can't, the drama. I think it's really what we have always just kind of associated with teens, but especially we've associated with teen girls. You know, stop acting like a 14-year-old girl, right? But that's 100% unfair because I have watched boys be every bit as dramatic as girls. So we're just going to catalog it as an overall tween and teen thing. And really, there is 
hope y'all because they do tend to grow out of it by like their late middle kind of teens. Hallelujah. Okay. So we all know what I'm referring to. Even if we can't actually define it, it's like the old thing about obscenity, right? I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Same here. But why? Why is this a thing? And why is it so damn common? Well, that's what we're going to have our conversation about today. Teenage drama. And no, not the fun 90210, One Tree Hill, Outer Banks type. Although, fun fact, you know that Outer Banks is obviously supposed to take place in the Outer Banks. But did you know that it's actually filmed right here in Wilmington? Yep. In fact, season four just started filming like, I don't know, a week or two ago. One of the producers lives a couple of streets away from me. And during the COVID summer, the cast apparently lived there. And the kids and I would ride our bikes past the house literally like twice a day. We'd go super slow and try to catch a glimpse over the fence and even get some waves. Thankfully, my daughter was very young then and she was super cute or there'd probably have been a restraining order out on us by August. Oh, and the summer I turned pretty, that's filmed here too. And there are so many cast sightings. I know my daughter met the one boy outside of a restaurant. And so we're always on alert for that one. And yes, One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek were obviously too. So I'm starting to see that Wilmington is actually like teen drama central, which could explain a lot of my life. Anyway, we're going to have a conversation about teenage drama, why they seem to be so engulfed in drama, and what we can do to help them. So why? Why do teens and drama go hand in hand? Let's go through some reasons, because to start, they just can't help it. Like, they physically cannot. It's actually their brains. So as annoying as it may be, know that it's really not their faults to some degree because it's actually quite natural, which is why it seems like it's just like the terrible twos or the treacherous threes or the effing fours or the sassy sixes. They all go through the drama phase and know it's absolutely not a character flaw. When we say drama, it's really just a shortcut for saying that our teens lack social and emotional skills. There's a social emotional disconnect and their brain development, or I guess it's like their lack of brain development, it impacts their social skills, which is why they seem to grow out of it because eventually they will develop the social and emotional skills to better manage or avoid these situations or these feelings entirely. And we can help them to develop these skills. Because it can be super easy for us to dismiss their drama as being insignificant, but we can use it as a way to help them build skills around things like decision-making, perspective, mindfulness, and empathy. And really, it's not entirely altruistic because we all know that their drama becomes our drama. So really, we are just helping ourselves. Because not to sound dramatic, but I just cannot. I know, I know, it's not their faults, it's their brains. We often need to remind ourselves that the parts of the brain that are responsible for impulse control and long-term planning are not fully developed yet. 
So whereas we come along and we consider the impact of our word and our actions and our under, and we understand the long-term social consequences of our decisions, their brains, they just can't yet. Their brains actually are not good at thinking before they act, or they're not even good at slowing down before they act. And this is why teens are so much more impulsive in some social situations than adults are. And this is especially true if they're in a situation where they feel threatened or in like threatened in any way, whether they are feeling threatened physically or emotionally, socially, whatever. And if they're kids who have experienced any type of trauma or neglect, this can be worse because they may feel some part of them is always threatened. So this feeling of this fearful feeling causes them to lack impulse control even more. So this lack of forward thinking is why when they say things in an argument, it might be just awful. And afterwards, they might even feel like they honestly couldn't stop themselves. And they just actually couldn't. They couldn't slow their brain down to control their impulses in that moment. And let's keep in mind that whether or not they've experienced any type of trauma, all teens have a heightened level of fear and anxiety in general, even even if it's quote unquote just a fear of being judged, ridiculed, or ostracized. And when I say just, I'm being totally sarcastic because to any of us, feeling judged, ridiculed, or ostracized is awful, right? Think about something as commonplace as a teen saying, he ignored me, or she gave me a dirty look. We might think, seriously, like he just ignored you? Like you said hi and he didn't respond? No, he just ignored me. Or we might say, are you sure it was a dirty look? Maybe she just looked at you. No, I know they were both giving me dirty looks. But again, it's how their brains are working. That heightened sense of fear has them focused on any potentially negative outcome of a social interaction. So he very well may not have ignored her, or maybe she wasn't giving her dirty looks. But that doesn't mean that's not how she saw it. If she already fears potentially being ridiculed or being left out or ignored. That is how she is going to see someone treating her. Now, your teen, like so many others, may be feeling left out or ignored or like someone is staring at them or giving them dirty looks or avoiding them. Everyone hates them. Or it seems like how can everyone possibly be out to get them? But really, it's that heightened fear of those potentially negative social outcomes that has them focused on seeing it. And we cannot move on from they physically cannot help it without mentioning those changing bodies and hormones. Physically speaking, these are the years when teenagers are just filled with hormones. And hormones make them have mood swings, right? They make them emotional. Hormones are even to blame for those extremes. They may cause teens to feel very easily fatigued or disappointed or stressed or extra sensitive. And all of these things can make them super sensitive to even the littlest triggers. Now, just like they are not physically developed enough to avoid drama, they're also not emotionally developed enough to avoid it or to manage it either. 
teenagers are so unsure of themselves. They just don't know who they are or who they are meant to be. There are so many choices and a bazillion possibilities in front of them. And we've already established that they're impulsive, so they are bound to make some wrong decisions along the way. And those decisions, well, they are sure to lend themselves well to some drama. Part of this impulsivity is also something that's called hyper-rational thinking. Now, hyper-rational thinking minimizes the negative impacts or the risks associated with their decisions. So I remember a few years back, and I'm thinking Kane was probably 11 or 12. I don't know what made me look. I was upstairs, and I don't know what made me look at the front door camera. I guess it was just my maternal instincts. But I saw him on the camera as he jumped down the front stairs on a pogo stick. I'm like, oh my God, stop. When I told him how insane and unsafe that was, his response was, I haven't gotten hurt. And that was his rationale. That was his rationale for why it was safe. He hadn't gotten hurt. Well, shit, if you haven't gotten hurt yet, then it's totally safe. What was I thinking? Jump away. Everybody get a pogo stick and jump down the stairs. That is hyper-rational thinking. It minimizes the negative impacts of their behaviors. It rationalizes what they're doing. And a lot of times in social situations, teens will rationalize their negative behavior through a lens of fairness. It's the, she said that to me, so of course I'll say it back to her. It's fair, right? Or I'll stop talking about her when she stops talking about me. Again, It's only fair that I do this because she's doing this. This ties into an underdeveloped sense of empathy. They often yet haven't developed the ability to thoroughly consider someone else's emotions, and so they might not be taking the other person's feelings into account when they make their decisions. And let's keep in mind, all humans require attention. I mean, we are a social species. Without getting and giving attention, you wouldn't have a social species. And we are a social species, so getting attention is literally necessary for survival. And not getting adequate attention can actually threaten the quality and even the sustainability of life. And that developing brain from the time we're born is always observing the environment and adapting accordingly to survive. Babies need attention to survive. They cry. Um, Drama much, right? For attention. If a child is approached by a stranger, they yell for an adult to get attention. If you're in a fire and you need rescued, you scream and you get attention. Again, it's literally hardwired into our species that we need to attract attention in order to survive. So if babies or kids or teens are neglected or aren't getting the attention that they need, their brain truly sees it as a survival situation and they will do whatever they need to get that attention. And drama, well, drama is attention for sure. Emotionally, our teens are also at a point where they are so unsure of themselves that they have a tendency to absorb the situation and the emotions from their surroundings. So what this does is it makes them very easily affected emotionally by things that around them that look so insignificant to us. So if something happens in their life or in their environment that's insignificant in our eyes, they absorb it and so it becomes 
becomes super significant and super big deal to them. Things, these are things that later in life, once they've matured, they'll look back on it and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that that was such a big deal. But at the time, because they had absorbed the emotions so much, it felt like such a big deal. Their frame of reference is so much smaller right now than it will be when they're older and that they don't realize right now how small their current problem or current situation is. They just haven't experienced enough in life yet to realize how minor these issues are in comparison. So let's expand on this idea of experience. While in some ways we look at these teens and we see semi-adults who are the same size as we are, if not bigger, in other ways, they're just still big kids. And just like they need to learn how to handle money and time and responsibility, they also need to learn how to handle their interpersonal relationships. And just like everything else, they learn by practicing and applying their skills. So they have to learn by practicing and applying these social skills. So they need this drama in a lot of ways to just learn how to exist and to try out these social skills. It's practice, really. And if you're learning to play the piano, you're going to make mistakes. If you're learning your new espresso maker, yeah, that one's me. I just got this new espresso maker and it's super complicated. I've had to say to myself so many times in the last few days, um, you have a PhD for God's sake. Because I'm like, how, why can't I use this? Anyways, if you're learning to use a new espresso maker, you're going to drink a lot of very watery coffee, all right? But you have to make mistakes in order to learn. And social skills are no different. And remember, they're impulsive. They don't necessarily think before they act or they speak. They don't have prior experiences to draw from. And they're emotional. They're so very emotional. Are we starting to see why this is the perfect storm for drama forming? Well, let's add on top of this our life cycle approach, right? Remember way, way, way back, and I think it was the stressed out episode. I would have to go back and look for sure, but I think it was the stressed out episode that we first mentioned a life cycle perspective. I mean, we've mentioned it a number of times since, and it's at play here too. Now, we said that as we move through the stages of our life, at those transition points from moving from one stage to the next, We tend to experience more stress as we try to figure out who we are in this new stage, what is expected of us, how we should behave, and like a bazillion other things. Just like we said, it's hard for us here to move from being the parents of young children to the parents of adolescent stage because we need to relearn how to be a mom. The tricks and the tools that we used with little ones don't work the same on teens. We know that we can't have the same expectations. We can't talk to them the same way. Basically, everything is different and we need to figure it out. Well, it's the same thing for them. They are trying to figure out who they are. They're switching from being kids to being young adults, and they need to adapt to their new situations. And just like some of us cannot let go, maybe we're just not ready to have these big kids yet, these adolescents, these teens. Same for them. Not all of them are ready to launch into this new stage either. And they're all maturing and developing at different rates. 
They are trying to be independent and grown up, capable of doing everything on their own, which makes some of them super stubborn and really averse to any type of control or advice or even suggestions. They just want to do things their own way. And if someone gets in their way, remember that hyper-rational thinking and that lack of impulse control? Yep. Teachers try to tell them what to do. Parents try to tell them what to do. They're all standing in their way, and they can always justify their behavior, right? Everyone is out to get them, okay? So that's what they see. That's how they feel. That's why it's that way. Okay, so all of their brains are still developing. They're all emotional and flooded with hormones. They're just learning how to apply their social skills and who they are. They haven't quite developed empathy yet. They're struggling for independence. They're at an age that they can always justify their behavior. Oh, and they lack impulse control. They may lack self-confidence and fear that people will judge them or ostracize them. Am I missing anything? Many, oh, many of them have too much free time, right? There's so much free time. And we tend to look at it like it's only our child, but So they're all facing these same conditions to some degree. So really, we're creating a perfect storm. So let's just stick them all together in one place for like eight hours a day, five days a week. And then let's connect them 24-7 on social media, which is a platform that often leads to drama for adults with fully developed brains. I just cannot imagine why there's so damn much drama, right? Can you? I mean, seriously, when you break it down like that, no wonder it is such a shit show for teens. Some people even are just more drawn to drama than others. I mean, really, drama is exciting, right? I won't call anyone in my house out, but I will say that of my children, I have one who is drawn to drama like a moth to a flame. I have one who is like as far away from being a drama queen as humanly possible. And I have one who this child isn't the drama one, but for some reason, this child is the flame that the drama moth is drawn to. Does that make sense? Like, I do not believe that this child of mine ever seeks out drama or is the dramatic one, but seemingly all of the people who are the dramatic one are always attracted to said child. Regardless, let's remember, this is not a character flaw. And lest I forget my favorite, I would certainly be remiss if I didn't include communication in this mix. Honestly, most of the teen drama all have one similarity, a misunderstanding. They're all too uncertain or too, you know, confused or too afraid to ask any questions or learn what's actually happening. Instead, they assume and complain and talk behind each other's backs. Everyone is too emotional to listen, to actually hear and understand each other. Instead, they just assume and fill in the blanks. And usually it's based on that fear that we talked about and that resistance to others that we talked about and that lack of empathy and lack of impulse control that we talked about. And all they do is make matters worse and escalate problems that these problems that often weren't even there as issues to start. And then the next thing you know, it becomes drama. Okay, so as I have warned you from day one, a lot of these issues that we talk about here, 
they can't be fixed. I mean, much of this one is their brain needing to develop, and I can't help you with that one. But I can help you to understand what's going on and give you some things that we can do to help. So let's continue this conversation with some things that can kind of help out a bit. Now, parents, on our end, we need to do three things. But I will warn you, the third one is pretty big. Okay? So first, honor the experience instead of judging it. We've talked about this before. Don't belittle what they're going through. Let them feel all the feels. They have a right to feel what they feel without us telling them that it's insignificant or that it doesn't matter. Okay? Second, don't react. Reflect. Ask questions to them, not to understand like the details of the situation, like you're not trying to get the tea, but to understand how they're making sense of the details. So asking them things like, I wonder what would have happened if you ignored her instead of confronting her. Or I wonder what would have happened if you just asked her why she didn't sit at the table with you like she usually does. I wonder why she feels the need to tell people these things. Statements like that can help them to explore other ways to approach these situations and be able to try and start to try to develop that empathy and see the situation from the other person's perspective as well as see the situation from how they might have handled it. And third, the big one, okay? We need to teach them. I mean, really, beyond just basic needs and, you know, the needs of to keep them alive, this is kind of our primary job as parents. We taught them the basic skills as babies and as toddlers, like brushing their teeth, counting their little fingers and their little toes. We taught them social skills, like saying bye-bye when you leave someone, right, to using their ma'ams and their sirs or their pleases and thank yous. We taught them not to bite people. We taught them that teeth are not weapons or tools, right? We taught them to share. And I think because they seem so grown up and possibly because they are forever reminding us that they're grown up, I think we tend to forget sometimes that they're not grown up. There are still skills that we need to teach them, right? (laughs) Like I was going to say, to balance a checkbook. But that's really funny to me, and I know that my poor dad may have a stroke when he hears this, but I haven't balanced a checkbook in like well over a decade. Sorry, dad. But I am teaching life skills that I do use, like how to do laundry and how to cook eggs. And we also still need to teach them social, emotional, and yes, communication skills. So here are six areas to work on and to teach your teens to help them lessen the drama. First, teach and model good social skills. Remember how you were so careful about not swearing in front of your toddlers and then you dropped and spilled like a jar of tomato sauce or a gallon of milk or something all over the floor and without even thinking, you yelled, shit. And of course, what was your toddler's new favorite word? Yep, shit. Every time they dropped a toy for like a month, right? They learned by modeling your communication behavior and You also learned it in all types of more positive ways. And it's the same for now. It's called abstract modeling. 
People, and especially children, learn by modeling the behavior that they see. So you need to model good behavior. Are you or your partner or whoever adults, whatever adults they're around, are you confrontational? Are you reactive? Or do you take the pause? Are you judgy of others? Do you gossip? Do you talk behind others' back? And another area that social modeling is often studied is in media research. Now, as someone who wrote her dissertation on media effects, okay, I will give you an abbreviated lesson. Some media is active and some is passive. Some ways to use the media are active and passive. Now, active media implies that you are actively using the media, which places you in a powerful position. You are controlling the media and your use of the media. If you are actively searching online to research an issue, you are an active media user. Now, if you are, say, lying on your bed, AirPods in, say, watching the Samurai Turn Pretty or Outer Banks on repeat, I mean, obviously, this is a purely hypothetical example, but that hypothetical teen would be a passive media user. Now, a passive media user, if they're passive, that puts the media in that powerful position, and it will be more likely to be influential on that media user. So essentially, all media effects are not created equal. Many of our children consume media very passively, which, yes, does make the effects stronger. And when those media are depicting trauma, that passive teen user may also begin abstract modeling that fictional teen drama. Relatedly, you can play out and talk about their situations with them. We said to ask them questions, all right, like, I wonder why they're doing that. I wonder what would have happened if you did. Ideally, always ask them open-ended questions because if you ask them yes or no questions, you're going to get a yeah or a nah, period. Okay, so lead them in your questions to see different points of view or different possible motives or potential responses. Lead them to talk themselves through situations. Social skills are just like any other skill. You need to practice them to learn so that that skill then becomes readily available in your future situations. So we can also guide their brains through this social development. And while we are on this communication train, second, teach them how to properly communicate with other people, how to send clear and straight messages. Encourage them to not be afraid to be open and honest with people, not be afraid to ask questions. Like we said, the great majority of drama is fueled by misinformation, miscommunication, overreacting, making assumptions. So eliminate any possibility for confusion by teaching them to have the courage to ask questions and to clearly say what they mean. And teach them to let their friends know that if they have a question for them, just ask. Because this really allows them to avoid gossip. And gossip breeds drama. As Moira Rose best said on Schitt's Creek, right? Gossip is the devil's telephone, and sometimes it is best to just hang up. So by making assumptions about anything, we believe that this is the truth when we have no idea if it actually is. 
our response is instead based on something that may be completely false. All right. We have psychologically, we have a need to understand and to explain and to justify everything. It makes us feel comfortable. And so if we have a blank, we fill in that blank with assumptions because we want to understand. We don't even necessarily care if it's true. We just want to know. The key is to make sure the communication is clear. And you do this by asking questions even if it's hard ones. So teach your teens not to assume that they know what is going on. Number three, teach them why they're feeling the way that they feel. Okay. Sometimes they just, they feel like they're alone. They feel like they're acting crazy. All right. Teach them why they're feeling the way that they do, why they're being the way that they are. All right. Don't make them feel like they're wrong for being dramatic. Remember, it's not a character flaw. It's not their fault or their friend's fault or their girlfriend's fault or their frenemy's fault. Help them understand these ideas. Help them understand their developing brains, their hormones, the human need for attention to survive. If we just say, you're being so dramatic or why is there always so much drama? Or like my husband and I will sarcastically call each other at times, um, drama. Remember Johnny Drama on Entourage? Yes, that's like easily a 20 plus year old dated reference, but we love that show. And it's funny because I happened to see an article off track, I know, but I happened to see an article a couple of weeks back about that show. And what's his name? It's, isn't it like Jeremy something? The guy, I don't know his name is, the, the guy who was the agent. He was saying basically how dated that show was and how it absolutely wouldn't fly in today's environment and that this generation would be horrified by it. And I guess like Friends or whatever, thinking back, it was pretty bad. But at the time, it was a fun show. But all right, I digress. But when we treat their drama like it's a character flaw, we put them on the defensive and it makes it worse. Number four, teach them not to take anything personally. I am a huge believer in this one in so many aspects of life because this is one that I know was a total downfall for me for years. And it wasn't until I read Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements, the one that we talked about in the Manifest That Shit episode. Um, If you haven't listened to that, go back. It's way, way back and listen because it's one of my favorites. But reading that book, and a big part of it was this point, but truly recognizing that I was taking things personally, that changed my life. And that episode that we talked about, um, we talked about everything not being about you, right? And teens especially, but I think many of us to some degree do see that everything is about us in some way. And it's not. And by letting go of this, you can avoid so much stress and negativity and drama. So many negative outcomes are simply because we take things personally. We said a bit ago about, you know, they were giving me dirty looks. Well, yes, your child probably did really think that they were giving dirty looks. All right. Like we said, that's because of their own insecurities and fears of being disliked. But let's say for argument's sake that they were, in fact, giving your child dirty looks. Okay. By not taking it personally, it's a so what? So what they gave me dirty looks. Right. In the book, Ruiz says that people's behavior is more reflective of them than it is of you. 
chances are they are not, in fact, giving your child dirty looks. But by not taking it personally, you're teaching them that they're fe- that they're feeling something. You know, the person who's giving the l- dirty looks is feeling something, and maybe it's insecurity or envy or doubt about something, and that is the reason behind the dirty looks, not your child. So let me walk you through a possible situation. Go with me on this. Two girls are snapping each other. One sends a message amongst the snaps. The other, girl number two, doesn't see the message, and so instead of replying to the message, she only snaps her back. The whore, right? I mean, not being left on red whore, but still, gasp. All right, so the first girl is upset because she didn't get a reply. The second girl doesn't even know something is wrong, all right? The first girl takes it personally and assumes that the second girl is intentionally not responding to her. And that's because she's assuming the second girl is mad at her. So the first girl tells a third friend that number two is mad at her. Number one says to number three, she's just being a total bitch. She's totally ignoring me. I don't know why she's mad. And girl number three says, I bet she's jealous because that boy likes her and her crush doesn't even talk to her. And girl number one says, I don't know why. She just can't be happy for me. She's always so jealous, all right? And then they see girls number four and five, all right? And three says to them, girl number one is so mad at girl number two because girl number two is always super jealous and is never supportive of anyone. Well, then girl number two walks by girls number, what, four and five, and they look over at her and quickly look away. So then what happens? The day ends. Girl number two comes home and says to her mom, that would be us, that her friends were totally ignoring her and were mad at her. She's super afraid of being disliked, right? And so she assumes that everyone at school hates her. I mean, oh my God, I right? I just can't even. So totally outrageous, right? This situation, I mean, while that particular situation has never happened at my house, I can totally see something like that happening, right? A hundred percent. Because that is exactly the kind of things that happens. Literary drama. Everything that we've talked about. Poor communication, misunderstandings, making assumptions, failing to ask questions, being led by fear, taking things personally, an undeveloped teenage brain with raging hormones and emotions, drama. All of this could have been so easily avoided, right? Had girl number one said to girl number two, did you see my message because you didn't respond? Girl two could have just said, what message? I'm sorry, I didn't. What did it say? And just like that, drama averted. But girl number one was fearful, right? She took the unanswered message personally. She was fearful of being disliked, and she assumed that girl number two was mad or was jealous. And then she lacked that impulse control to then go to girl number three, who then also lacked the impulse control and gossiped to four and five. I mean, when you take all of these factors into consideration, you can see exactly why there is so much drama. If we can simply avoid them and communicate, it would all so easily be avoided. 
Okay, so number five, and I will warn you, this one is going to be tough because no one wants to see themselves as the problem, especially teenagers. So you're going to need to put on your tap shoes and dance around this one. What is it with kid gloves? Put them on kid gloves. I don't even know what that means. But anyways, they're not going to be super responsive to this. But the most helpful thing may be to try to get them to at least be aware of when they might be creating or even just fueling the drama. This might be you pointing it out to them, which I'm sure will go over awesome, right? Or helping them to recognize their role in the drama. Now, I didn't promise that this would be easy, just effective. Now, if you are one who has been in a similar dramatic situation and you can be self-aware enough to know your role in it, possibly you can draw a parallel for them or you can wait out the heat of the moment and somewhat gently address their role in it or you can just say, uh, that's going to be a no for me, Jen. I am not throwing a grenade like that, and I totally get it. But do know that if you would, it could be very helpful if you handle it correctly. And last, number six, and relatedly, teach them to not feed into other people's drama. This will require them to assess their relationships. Are they friends with other drama queens or Johnny dramas? Right? Are they being drawn into negative or toxic situations by people who are negative or toxic? Teach them to recognize the people who are repeatedly the stars of the drama show in their life and teach them how to manage their interactions with those people. When those people come to them with the latest catastrophe, give them a window of time and then walk away. Tell them to resist the urge to jump on their pity party bandwagon. The reality is people often calm down when other people don't validate their complaints. Now, as an aside, those last points, those will work well for us too, right? When our teens come to us with their drama, if we jump on their pity party bandwagon and validate them, all we are doing is feeding their fire. But if we can instead resist not criticizing or putting it down, but also not validating, we are actually smothering that fire instead. That's it. I wish I could make all of the drama disappear for you and me, but alas, I am not a miracle worker. It is a natural part of raising teens, and just like they grow out of the terrible twos and the F and fours and the sassy sixes, they will grow out of the thespian teens. Thespian teens. That's pretty good, right? I literally just pulled that one out. Thespian teens. So good. Eventually, their brains will develop. Their emotions will level off. They'll gain some perspective and they'll see how not a big deal these things are and the drama will end. Until then, we can be aware of our own thoughts and our own responses and recognize what we ourselves are giving power to. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you spending this time with me. Please remember to follow the show so that you don't miss out on any new content. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. That's how we are going to grow our community. And if you might consider, I'd love if you went in and rated it five stars, obvi, and write a review because that will help others to find us too. Please reach out to me on socials, on Instagram and TikTok at Reframing Me, and on Facebook, it's Reframing Me, and join the Facebook group, Reframing Me, the podcast community, to connect with other women who are also raising teens and rediscovering themselves. Until next time, be well, communicate, and avoid the drama.